Alrighty, gang. Welcome to Brolosophy. Philosophy through the eyes of an idiot. Um, so, <clears throat> today, we are sponsored by True Protein. So, if you guys want supplements for all your training needs, uh, True Protein are the place to go. So, you can head to trueprotein.com.au and check out their full range. So their full range includes all your different types of proteins, whey protein, vegan protein, weight loss protein, night protein, elite protein, collagen protein. Look, to be honest, they might have too much protein. Um, Also, they have performance-based blends, weight loss blends, meal replacement blends, post-workout fat burners, blah, blah, blah. Um, Mass gainers, they've got um, health foods like... um, superfood powders, nut butters, uh, MCT oils, all the good stuff. So no matter what you guys are trying to do for your training and wellness needs, um, if you're a weightlifter, if you're a figure model, if you're a keto kid, um, whatever you need, True Protein have got it for you. So that's really great. And they're a partner of ours and a long-time partner of ours. So if you want to support the show, then if you have supplement needs, then head on over to trueprotein.com.au, use the code BRO, and you will get 10% off. Also, we are brought to you today by Yeti. So Yeti guys, uh, I've lost my Yeti read um, about um, what Yeti are, but they're actually just, to simplify it, they're the best, <clears throat> to simplify it, they're the best premium outdoor brand uh, in the Australian marketplace. So they have multiple different uh, options for your coolers. So getting out into the wild, if you're going camping, if you're going fishing, if you're going um, just a weekend away, uh, you're having a barbecue with your, with your buds. They've got the Tundra, which is this massive um, epic cooler that's probably, it's probably you would have to say, the best cooler, um, you know, um, what would you call it? Esky in Australia, chili bin, chili bun, chili, chili bun in New Zealand. Um, Bugger if I know what they call it in other places. But <clears throat> they've got the best coolers uh, in the world, really. So um, here's some of the uh, here's some of the read. Born out of a frustration with coolers that cracked, caved, and gave up, Yeti set out to improve three main elements: durability, extended ice retention, and weather resistance. Um, so I've got my um, Yeti tumbler next to me here. Keeps my water and or coffee hot and or cool, which is great. Um, they've got all kinds of stuff, guys. So um, basically, why is Yeti worth it? Well, you get what you pay for, superior insulation. They're virtually indestructible and you get a five-year warranty on all hard coolers. So to learn more about Yeti, jump online at au.yeti.com forward slash bro. And don't look back. Alrighty. Lastly, guys, we are brought to you today by Athena. So what is Athena? Athena is an online freelancer marketplace, guys. So basically what we do is we find the most talented freelancers all around the world and we align them with our clients to work inside of their business. So if you're a business owner, for example, and you have... Let's use, let's use a, a worked example here. So Say you're a business owner and you have 40 hours in your week and it's you and a small team and so on and so forth. Um, if you've got 40 hours in your week and you split those ta- uh, that time into tasks, so you've got your real top priority tasks 
15 hours a week, that's sales, marketing, retention, um, whatever that might be. Then you've got, say, 10 hours of in-between, middle, middle grade tasks, stuff that's not the absolute needle movers, but stuff that still needs to be done. And then you've got 15 hours of absolute rubbish tasks, low-value tasks. I shouldn't say it like that. Um, but tasks that need to be done but don't need to be done by the most experienced, you know, the most um, trusted uh, members of the team. So that might be some sort of um, research, data entry, um, reconciling the books, chasing failed payments. All these tasks is, exist inside of every business. And the whole idea is to get a really highly qualified, motivated, overqualified really, um, you know, uh, squire to come in and help you in your business to take those 15 hours of you know low value tasks turn them into maybe two hours of management or an hour of management per week and then give you 13 or 14 hours to focus on the high value stuff so it's more sales marketing retention partnerships product development whatever it is that's how business really should work guys you should be building a team around you in order for you to concentrate on the most important things as the entrepreneur or the business owner or the leader or whatever you want to call yourself um, and making sure that the, the low end stuff gets taken by um, taken off your plate by somebody who can um, yeah help you do your best work. So if you're in a position where you need some administrative help, if you're in a position where you need some, um, some, some content marketing help, some, some media help, some SEO, um, whatever it is, we can help you. We can find whoever you're looking for. So to make an inquiry, head to athena.co um, or uh, and you'll get 20 hours free if you use the code BRO when you're in the, in the inquiry box. Um, also, you can also email me directly if you have any questions at doc, D-O-C, at athena.co and that's A-T-H-Y-N-A. And that's it. So here's the show. Now, before we do this, let's go over the ground rules. Rule number one, no touching of the hair or face. And that's it. Yo. Discovery Roger, go for deploy. Some kind never even considered for mass production. Too weird to live, too rare to die. Well, we're live. All right. Welcome. So, all right, guys, we've got um, Adam Miller here from Budding Tech. So, um, we're here to talk all things medicinal marijuana, weed, and um, the future of health and wellness i guess yeah would we say yeah i'd say so Go indeed yeah all right plus a few other interesting terrains yeah i'm sure i'm sure we will um so adam tell us a little bit about yourself mate tell uh you know who are you 
where did this whole thing come from? Tell us, you know, the floor is yours. Well, who am I? That's a deep question, but I, I sure presume you're right. relating to the, like the work sphere of my existence. Oh, mate, we got plenty of time. <laughs> Go anywhere. Not, oh. I don't want to know your weirder stuff, you know. Yeah. I'm sure there's some stuff that you just leave that out. Yeah, but, you know. that's in the closet. Don't worry, I didn't intend <laughs> yeah. to, to bring that out today. <laughs> well, I'll speak professionally um, uh, at this point. So I've been working in the medical cannabis space for about five years now. Mm-hmm. Um, pre-legalization in Australia, by the way, cannabis is medically legal in Australia mm-hmm. as of 2016. I was in my parents' front yard just having a read about some of the cannabis projects that were um, being developed in America. Mm-hmm. And I had an intuition that cannabis would be on the shores of Australia uh, in a short period of time. So. Uh, after thinking about it quite deeply and looking at different ways that I could enter the space, I took the leap and decided to build a business. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was really interesting timing because at that, at that moment, I was exiting a business that I had started. I had kind of lost the passion for that project. Mm-hmm. And some of my friends thought I was crazy to even consider dropping my projects and just moving into cannabis because yep. the perception was that Australia is too conservative which it is. Yeah. However, so much so that it wouldn't introduce cannabis policies or regulations, you know, for another five years. And yep. lo and behold, five months later, uh, legalization in Australia was a reality. Really? Yeah. November, uh, it was the 16th of March, 2016. Yep. Where, no, sorry, the 3rd of March, 2016, where, where cannabis was officially... Did you get high that day? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> For medical yeah. use only, of course. Yeah, uh, uh, knee. Uh, yeah, yeah, bum knee. Well, actually, if anything, I would use cannabis for ADHD. Yeah, right. Uh, I was I was diagnosed with ADHD as a child. Uh, I was brought up on Ritalin and other um, um, medications that uh, were used to treat ADHD. Mm-hmm. And I have found in my time using cannabis that it can be a potent medicine to treat ADHD. Mm-hmm. And there is research that supports this. It's very minimal research, but research nonetheless. There's a researcher in the UK that conducted a 20-person trial in 2017 mm-hmm. where he used a cannabis formulation of one milligram to THC to one milligram of CBD to treat patients with ADHD. Mm-hmm. And the results were quite promising. The, the increase in, or sorry, the decrease in hyperactivity, inattentiveness, and inhibition was quite notable, mm-hmm. um, almost, comparable, almost comparable to medications like Ritalin, which are common practice for today. So um, even though it's a laugh and we do joke, you know, do you get high? It's, it's the, the medical application of cannabis is quite um, profound. Mm-hmm. And if you would have asked me in 2015 if I thought cannabis had any med- medical application, I would have laughed and yeah. said no. Yeah. Uh, however, fast forward today, it's absolutely profound how deep the plant's medical potential is and the therapeutic application of cannabis. Mm. So it's a very important time that we are entering and uh, it's only going to continue uh, escalating from here. Yeah, for sure. Well, we'll, we'll get into all that stuff about the, the um, medical benefits and, and so on and so forth. But talk to me more about yourself a little bit. So I remember mm. um, I read on the LinkedIn bio when I was, you know, when we teed up the show and we we're chatting back and forth. So you studied um, entrepreneurship in Melbourne and you studied Correct. in Sweden as well. Is that right? Yes. Yes. I you studied Swedish, Swedish heritage. Or? No, I just wanted just I'd like nev- Swedish women. I love Swedish everything. <laughs> okay. Swedish women are beautiful. The culture is cold, but beautiful. And it's a gorgeous country. But yeah, I studied sure. in part in Sweden, in part in Australia, primarily in Australia. I got a scholarship to, to study over there, which was a privilege. Yep. Uh, yeah. Bachelor of Business in Entrepreneurship. What a really interesting degree because there's that debate between entrepreneurs. Is it a skill that is learned or yeah. is it born? Are you born with entrepreneurship? And I argue that it's both. 
Uh, and that was really cool. It was four years of just building things and seeing if what would work and what wouldn't. And yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, oh, my tea inter- yeah, pops up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other uh, interesting thing I think with studies of entrepreneurship, for example, is um, I thought you were going to say it's that interesting, um, interesting discussion around do you study entrepreneurship or do you go and be an entrepreneur? Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. Like practical versus, you know? Well, I think the practical is the study. Yeah, y- yeah, yeah. So, yeah, okay. Yeah, so, so, I mean, so, me, for example, like I've started three businesses yep. um, and never studied anything, you mm. know? I've got like the hardest on-the-job training. I've failed at a lot of things, you know? But now I seem to be going all right. So it's just, um, what did the entrepreneurship course like? When you left to go onto your first, you know, building business, you know, experience, what did you feel? Do you feel like really capable? Did you feel confident? Did you know? Like, tell me about your mm. studies of entrepreneurship because I'm actually genuinely interested. Yeah, cool. So, so the interesting. So, so I studied entrepreneurship at a unique time at RMIT's history. It yep. was the second or third iteration of the course it previously didn't exist and when I started it was a very practical course where in the first year we started a business we had to invest money into it we worked with corporate ventures and assisted companies or startups um, building new projects whether that be in an innovation department or a new startup that needed extra assistance like an internship so it was very hands-on that rocked uh when I got back from Sweden, they changed the course um, um, process and it became highly theoretical. Right. And the, the depth and value of what I initially had received changed. And you're right. There's no better experience than going out there and actually building a business. Yeah, learning the hard way. Uh, yeah. yeah. How, however, I would recommend if anyone does want to study business or is going to do an entrepreneurship course, I'd recommend that they do it as they're starting a business mm-hmm. or while they're in a business so that they can take the actual um, theoretical knowledge and apply it to their practical business. I think sure. that's a good coupling. Yeah. But if you're just going to study business and say you're an entrepreneur, it's, uh, entrepreneurship is earned. It's not studied. You're yeah, correct. No, for sure. For I agree. Sure. And, and, and in my first few businesses, did it help? Maybe. I don't know. I can't really... I didn't I'm really sure draw sure. upon my textbooks. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But I'm sure, I'm sure you know, there's things that... Very simple things that I should have known when I started my first businesses that really hamstrung me um, that I only learned 12, 16, 18, 20 months later. Um, so yeah, I'm sure it would have helped. So tell me about your, your entrepreneur. Um, you know, So from the studies, you said that you shut your company that was successful down for, to, to enter the medicinal marijuana field. Like, What were you doing? What were some of the things that you... Um, you know, you've done in the past. Yeah, cool. But before I answer that, I want to ask, did you on your journey um, have any mentors um, uh, yeah, when you started? Sure. Uh, yeah, for sure. So I started, I've been very entrepreneurial from day one, really. I used to, um, when I was 14 years old, I used to jump the fence at my um, my parents' property and go over to the Dunes Golf Course. Yeah. And I would go and steal the golfers' balls, wash them and sell them <laughs> back to them. <laughs> I, I bought my first uh, bought my first ever CD my first album doing that that was my first system um, but no then uh, I ran my own business when I was um, 22 as a tradesman for a few years but then my real first crack at being an entrepreneur like a proper business I guess was Adventure Fit which was um, so the, uh, we spoke briefly earlier the travel company so I'd take people on adventure holidays and I had some really quality mentors early um, and they all said don't start this company whatever you do this is the hardest industry it's a shit model like blah 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 
And I tend to agree with them after spending five years in the travel industry. Mm. Um, but I actually did, I have the world's best mentor in travel, really. He's a good friend of mine, Daryl Wade. He owns Intrepid Travel and Intrepid Group. Um, and now uh, Scalata Ventures, which is a VC fund for social impact driven, socially impactful companies, I guess. Mm. Um, if you had have said to me, yeah, you get to pick one mentor. I mean, industry specific. Like, like if you said you get to pick one mentor, I'd probably just be like, yo, Elon, fuck, what's <laughs> happening? Um, but he'd be like, what do you want me to help? Well, I can't help you. Yeah, um, uh, but if mm, you had to, mm. <laughs> yeah. So we'd just be traveling to doing trips to Mars. But um, yeah, so I actually had Daryl as a mentor and a few other really great mentors. But Daryl was, yeah, he'd be my number one pick. If I had to redraft my mentors and, and in the travel industry, Daryl would probably be number one. Mm. So, and that was just through a bit of networking and you know being a nice guy to the right people and you know uh, being genuine and whatever, people wanted to help. So why did you ask that? Well, it's, it's because you were saying before around uh, kind of the key lessons, some of the things you hadn't learned at the start that you had to learn the hard way. I find mentors bridge that gap and 100%. interesting segue. So you asked what I did prior to cannabis. So, so in 2000, and 10, I got my first kind of um, um, real job and by yep. real job out of hospitality. Yep. My backgrounds initially was in hospitality. My father owned restaurants and yep. his dad owned restaurants, etc. Yep. And after that, I started working online marketing and that's where I got my feet wet into tech and startups. Mm -hmm. And from 2010 to 2014, I played around with some startup concepts. However, when I moved to Sydney in 2012, uh, I abandoned everything that I had in Melbourne. I didn't have any friends there, which was a blessing in, in disguise because I had myself and my ideas that I could work on. So from 2012 to 2014, I just built startups. Mm -hmm. And the startups that I built was inspired by my time traveling in India. Uh, I, I noted that there were a lot of kids with entrepreneurial talent that were just roaming the streets, scamming people for money and yeah. trying to make a buck. Very entrepreneurial. Amazing. Similar to my golf, my golf, uh, golf ball story. Yeah, there's something there. There's something <laughs> yeah. there. And, yeah. and my question was, what would happen if they had access to mentorship and, and the internet? Mm -hmm. So I started thinking about that and I came home to Melbourne and built a website that connected people with questions to experts or mentors with answers via video chat. Cool. This was really kind of pre... Um, video chat conversation yep. technologies. And I built that out. Eventually, uh, I got onto a program that was funded by ANZ. They had a accelerator called Innovise. Yep. Um, I applied and, and successfully was approved and I quit my job. Uh, and in 2014, I went full-time into startup land. And from there, I built a, or I iterated and pivoted the concept from the initial, you know, connect someone with a problem to an expert with an answer mm -hmm. to connecting startups to mentors mm -hmm. so that they could bypass certain challenges within the startup realm and hopefully succeed via, you know, increased revenue, sales, yep. um, capital raising and so on. Yep. And then that evolved to a further step where we built a platform that a startup would come, they would take a test it would evaluate the business out of a scoring rank of 100. Mm -hmm. And this was based on a scoring system that we had um, acquired from an American research uh, institute. Mm -hmm. And from there, a company would get their score. And in the areas where they were lacking uh, or where they needed improvement, we would connect them with a mentor that would specifically mentor them through the improvement process of that um, in return for an equity share. So yep. if I can help you achieve X, I take equity as my return because mentors weren't, as I'm sure you know, encouraged by taking money from startups. They just mm -hmm. wanted to help. Mm -hmm. But I felt help could be incentivized. Mm -hmm. 
And that was the business. And you said successful. It was successful in many respects. It was picked up by an accelerator. Um, it had a number of staff members. We never successfully raised capital. Mm-hmm. However, I, I learned a few hard lessons in that experience, which is trust your intuition when it comes to humans. Mm-hmm. And at one point, I had a developer who was the co-founder. And at the 11th hour, we had a major um, um, tiff. Mm-hmm. And he walked... Well, I actually, I asked him to leave the business. Yeah, right. So I had to start from scratch. Mm-hmm. And doing that all again from scratch, I just burnt out. I lost my passion. Yeah. So it never it's took off. hard, man. Yeah. It's- Sounds like an interesting... Uh, an interesting- Model, uh, to the mentor thing that when you mentioned earlier, I think I get a lot of um, questions on advice for starting businesses and so forth now, not because I know what I'm doing, but because I have a podcast, I have social media following, you know, like people know that I do business and mm. my business, my previous business, although it made little to no money, the brand was awesome, the product was sick, you know, it was very cool, I guess. So people, you know, will come to me for advice and two of the things I... Um, I mentioned, and it's funny, I've been saying this since before my new company, Athena, um, but Athena is an outsourcing agency, so we t- take really talented freelancers from all around the world and plug them into small business, basically. Um, so the two things I've always said to people is find a mentor, whether they be you know, free or paid, whatever it is. You know, mm. Find a mentor who believes in you, who you trust, who's good, and find yourself some cost-effective help you know, because your first employee as a small business, I believe, shouldn't really be, if you're really just getting off the ground, you know, shouldn't or doesn't need to be 50 grand per annum, you know? So, um, and that's how I've done it anyway. So they're mm. the two things that I've always recommended. And the mentor thing, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. You know, I think having most of what I think mentors do as well is just they give you accountability and they give you, you know, val- validation to your own ideas. Mm. But you mm. need that. Mm. Yeah, you so badly need that as a... And then also they'll, they'll tweak little bits and pieces and say, hey, there's a huge gap here that you've missed in your, you know, numbers or your figure or whatever, you know, that stuff that you don't like doing. Mm. Um, so I like the, I like the, um, the theory and the idea and, but yeah, business is hard and you really got to get the right people beside yep. you, don't you? And you can't really tell until you're in the trenches with them if it's going to be a, a relationship that's going to work or yeah. one that's going to potentially blow up, I guess. Yeah, I was a kid. I didn't know much then. And I, I thought I, I was very, uh, uh, um, much in the belief system that it would all work out. Yeah. It didn't really matter who you worked with as long as it just all came together. And yep. yeah, over time, you just, you learn lessons, trust your intuition, trust your gut, listen to people's advice because I did have mentors that said this relationship's going to fail and yeah. I didn't believe it. So yeah. it's, it's, it's all well and good to have a mentor, but also trust that mentor, listen to them and perhaps pay for them because, you know, free advice is free. You know, if you, if you pay with peanuts, you get monkeys. Yeah. So uh, that's why I built a system where it was incentivized through equity because it meant that the mentor had something that incentivized their intention and the startup would have a stake in the, uh, in the ground and say, if you can achieve this, you'll get X, Y, or Z. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was really interesting. I learned yeah, a lot I and it. I'm very grateful for the experience. Yeah, cool. So, all right. So, so flashing forward back to, you know, marijuana and so forth. So budding tech. So tell me about, this is your company now. We'll talk about marijuana in a, in a global sense, mm. you know, throughout this talk, this interview. But, but talk to me about budding tech. Like, what is it? How does it work? Like, what are you, you know, what are you trying to achieve there? Yeah, cool. So... In 2016, I started Budding Tech. The initial intention of this project was to create a platform for entrepreneurs to build businesses and launch into the cannabis space. I'd been working in startup land for five years, so I figured, you know what, why don't I build an accelerator Mm -hmm. or a model uh, or an incubator uh, that modeled the same principles of, you know, any type of tech startup Mm -hmm. that was applied to cannabis and take these businesses from idea or ideation to 
you know, pre-revenue uh, or post-revenue. Yep. Um, that was the goal. Mm-hmm. Overly ambitious because I didn't realize how challenging regulations would be once cannabis was introduced. <laughs> yeah. It was very idealistic, right. but it did get me uh, a foot in the door. And from there, I was able to work on a range of different projects. So the first thing I did in the cannabis space was manage a research project at the University of Sydney mm-hmm. with one of the cannabis listed companies here in Oz. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was very, very valuable because it gave me a tool. We developed a white paper, which did an assessment on the global industry as well as the local market. That was a tool that I could then use to reach out to other humans in the space to formulate relationships that would then lead to longer term value. So it was really, it was a great lesson on put some value out there and then ask for something in return. Yep. Um, and then from there, I, I evolved Budding Tech into a consultancy agency, which is what it is today. It's Australia's longest running um, medical cannabis consultancy firm. Yep. Um, we've worked with a range of clients in the ASX space and private companies, as well as international companies. Um, from research projects to license applications, we've, we've assisted multiple universities um, setting up um, actual research hubs, which has been really fun and, and interesting, mm-hmm. uh, all the way down to working with doctors and prescribers, teaching them how to prescribe medical cannabis. Uh, so, so it's been a really valuable project. I'm actually stepping away from Budding Tech to work on more solo-related projects with other companies. Mm-hmm. I've just found that uh, running an agency, uh, it's been an interesting project, um, and it's been very challenging. And there's a lot of key lessons, again, in this whole space of setting up a new business that I hadn't initially had when I started Bunning Tech yeah, that I have today. For sure. Uh, and, and now I'm actually starting a new project in a couple of weeks, which is with a major extraction company here in Melbourne. Uh, and they specialize in taking flour and turning it into oils and extracts, which then go to pharmaceutical companies or nutraceutical companies that can then convert it into a finished product. So kind of like a contract manufacturer mm-hmm. for cannabis extracts, mm-hmm. which I'm really excited about because I see that as a major value add to the entire industry cool. for a number of reasons, which we can we can deep dive into. Very uh, that last one that you, that you mentioned very much went over straight over the top of my head, but right. we'll, we'll, we'll touch we'll touch back on that. So, but like marijuana for for uh, as a at a global scale. So why is medicinal marijuana important? Why do we have it? What are the benefits? What are some of the exciting studies? What are the risks? You know, mm. there's, mm. you know, I'm going to probably play devil's advocate at some point here along the, along the journey, but you know, why medicinal marijuana? Yeah. Okay. Uh, good question. Well, your body is literally hardwired to work with cannabis. So every mammal has what's called an endocannabinoid system. Now, this is a system that was discovered in the, between the 1960s to 1990s in Israel by a researcher named Raphael Meshulam. And what he had discovered is that this system is one of the most fundamental physiological systems in our body. It is the largest uh, biological system of receptors like, uh, across the entire body, and it interacts with the 11 major physiological systems in your body. So it sits in your immune system, it sits in your central nervous system, your um, peripheral, peripheral nervous system, um, in the gonads, in the, ov- the, product- the, the ovaries and the productive organs, mm-hmm. um, in the brain, etc. Yep. So what this system does is it downregulates and upregulates neuroactivity across the body and keeps you in a state of balance. So it, it modulates what's called your homeostasis state. Mm-hmm. So regardless of your external environment, this system is keeping you in balance. And it was only discovered, you know, less than, a, less than a few decades ago, and yet it has such a prolific impact on human health. Mm-hmm. And the reason why cannabis is so interesting is because the 
chemicals that the cannabis plant produces interact with this system like a lock and a key. So the cannabis chemicals actually bind to the receptors in your body and modulate the functionality of those receptors to either downregulate or upregulate your act- that activity. So downregulating um, parts of your body that are working too hard. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. It basically is. A, it's it's like the way I describe it. It's it's almost like a conductor of a symphony. This endocannabinoid system. It's mm-hmm. keeping everything in harmony and in balance. Yep. And if something is out of balance, and you use cannabis, and we can go into the science a little deeper because I'm being quite high level, it will, as I said, it will either con- increase the regulation or, or decrease it mm-hmm. so that it is back into a state of balance. Mm. Okay, so this all sounds too good to be true. So, but, you know, hear me out. Yeah, out. of course. So, but, but why is this? Mm. Because we understand with science, we're able to understand a lot of the processes inside of the human body and why we react to certain things the way that we do. Mm-hmm. So, Talk to me and, and keep it at a high level if you can because remember this, you know, yeah, small, yeah. non-medicinally, you know, medicated brain of mine at the moment is, you know, um, and probably a lot, of, a lot of people listen and are probably thinking, okay, how does this really work? So mm. is there any reason why this would be the case? Like what, yep. why, how? Okay, so in, I'll take you back to some research that was conducted in Israel. It's really funny because it just demonstrates how savvy the Israelis are. Um, in the 1960s, there was a researcher who, confiscated or, or sorry he, he took cannabis that was confiscated by police and took it to his lab and tried to understand what it actually is and he I, isolated cbd and thc he was the first mm-hmm. person in history to do this mm-hmm. then he put this into animal models rodent models and try to understand the metabolic pathways the actual signaling pathways in the mouse's and rat's bodies yep. that are activated during cannabis and he found them. They're called CB1 and CB2 receptors. Mm-hmm. Then he found out that humans have those same receptors in their body. Yep. So upon further research, he found that your body produces chemicals that bind to those receptor sites. And it just so happens that the cannabis molecules also bind to those same receptor sites. So there's a link there. So your body produces what's called endogenous cam- cannabinoids, mm-hmm. which are molecules that activate these receptor sites. And the cannabis plants producing molecules that are either identical to your body's own endogenous molecules or are enhancing the function of your body's endogenous molecules. So the long and short of it is cannabis through research endeavors out of Israel was discovered to actually act on these internal systems within your body. Um, and, and that's why we're finding that cannabis is so um, effective across a wide range of indications you know, Parkinson's disease, chronic pain, mental mood disorders, multiple sclerosis, epilepsy, mm-hmm. etc. Because it's, it's actually targeting these cell receptor sites in your body that your body would naturally target without the cannabis itself. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes somewhat sense. So uh, let me ask you this. So these, is it CBD, CBD molecules? Yes. So, so you've, CBD1? C- so the receptor sites in your body are called CB1 yep. and CB2. Yep. So CB1 is primarily found in the central nervous system mm-hmm. and in the peripheral nervous system, whereas CB2 is found in the immune system uh, and the immune cells, as well as in the peripheral nervous system. Um, so, so these two cell receptor sites are located across the entire body. Mm-hmm. And as I said, the, the chemicals that the cannabis plant produce target these sites like a lock and a key because that's mm-hmm. how receptor sites work. There's a, there's a molecule that will bind to a receptor and it will you know, unlock it and it will make it work in a particular way. And cannabis does that with those two receptor sites, which are 
um, um, a part of the endocannabinoid system. Okay, so is there any example for someone like myself who is, you know, still trying to get his head around it? So of other plants and medicines and so forth that do a similar thing? Well, similar thing, well, uh, there's research that shows that the cannabinoids act on the same um, receptor sites in the brain as coffee. Yep. So coffee stimulates you and wakes you up. Mm -hmm. Cannabis also, um, the endocannabinoid system, I should say, is also responsible for your your sleep cycles. Mm -hmm. So it plays a role in the functionality of sleep cycle. Um, Other plants like the opioid, opioids act on the... um, the the central nervous system as well as oh, brain block right here <laughs> yeah, brain no. block yeah yeah so so <laughs> your, your respiratory system yes so it. so plant medicines I mean it's it's like any medicine has to have a drug on a drug interaction in your system it's called pharmacokinetic so mm-hmm. when you take something it enters your body it's absorbed and goes to the bloodstream and then there is a receptor site in your body that this molecule will bind to and then cause an effect. Cannabis is the exact same. It's a cause and effect relationship. Mm -hmm. It just so happens that the cause and effect relationship of cannabis is directly uh, directly related to the endocannabinoid system, which is that homeostasis um, system in the body. Okay, cool. So when we're talking about medicinal marijuana and and so forth and the industry that's growing and all these great results that have been uh, found in studies all around the world, are we talking about actual medicinal marijuana, smoking uh, a weed for pain relief? Are we talking about CBD oil? Are we talking about THC supplements? Like, talk to me about what actually are... Um, how is it administered? Okay, yeah, great. There's there's a number of ways you can administer it. So inhalation, which mm-hmm. is smoking or... Smoking a blunt? Yeah, smoking a blunt. That's the, that's, that's the basic way. That's, <laughs> yeah. I call it basic bitch way. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's really like... You can say that on the show. <laughs> yeah, I figured why not, you know, throw a bit of spice and pepper, <laughs> yeah. um, which actually uh, spice uh, peppers, they, they, um, the smell of a pepper is called beta caryophylline. It's a terpene and it's another part of cannabis, which you can talk about later. Gotcha. But, now you're just getting weird on me. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I like, I like the technicals. Yeah, I yeah, appreciate no, them because it's so important, but, yeah. but there are a number of ways to consume cannabis. The yep. traditional way is, is inhalation and inhalation is one of the most effective ways for instant relief because it's instantly absorbed. So the, Basically, the peak of action is kind of like this, and then it goes down. Mm-hmm. So you've got a quick spike and then a rapid decrease. Mm-hmm. Um, oral consumption of cannabis um, is a longer and, uh, and more drawn-out process where you'll take it, and within two to three hours, you'll have an effect. And, you'll he- and it'll be more of a sustained effect? Correct. Yep. Correct. However, the problem with consuming cannabis orally is that it, it has to be metabolized in the in in your gut mm-hmm. and you have an enzyme system called the cytochrome p450 enzyme which mm-hmm. is the specific enzyme that breaks down cannabis and when it breaks it down a lot of the um the bioavailability or the actual content of the cannabis is is basically degraded quite quickly gotcha. so okay. if you have a cannabis plant that has 100 percent action the that enzyme will break it down to 20% action. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, so, that's, so that's huge. Yeah. So consuming or, uh, cannabis orally, although it is potent and effective, you're actually not going to get the full effect. Yeah. But there are companies in the medical cannabis space that are working on technological innovations that will bypass that uh, metabolism process. Mm-hmm. So there are companies in Australia and, and in Israel that are developing what's called sublingual, like under the tongue, mm-hmm. or buccal available, which is on the side of the cheek yep. um, absorption methods so it bypasses the, the liver yep. and is immediately absorbed through the bloodstream and therefore you get the full effect of gotcha. the cannabis so, so with, um, with 
taking cannabis orally compared to smoking, mm. obviously smoking weed for that, you know, you get that instant relief. Mm-hmm. Um, but with the smoking, so if you are to, you know, roll a, roll a joint, roll some medicinal marijuana, smoke it, get instant relief, so on and so forth. The act of smoking is bad for us, right? Yeah. Well, you're, you're basically burning your lungs. That's right. So, yeah. so how do you weigh up, like when we're talking about medicinal marijuana, how do people weigh up the, the positives versus the negatives when it comes to smoking compared to like orally ingesting? Just vaporize it. Yeah. Don't, okay. Just, just get a vaporizer. You bypass the whole thing. It doesn't damage your lungs. Um, so, but aren't there studies that are showing that vaping is really bad for you as well? Yeah, but those are studies that are related to actual vaping products. Tobacco. Yeah, like nicotine replacements yep. and, and, the, and, the, and the additives that are used to actually create the liquid that can be vaporized. Where if you take a, like, there's two forms of vaporization. There's an extracted form. So you take the, the flour and you extract it into an oil and then you vape it. Yep. And then there's the actual just vaporizing of the flour. So you put the flour in a vaporizer and you just inhale. So both, there isn't, there's no evidence or there's very minimal evidence that has, you know, uh, stated that that's bad for you. Mm. Um, it's when you uh, burn the cannabis, um, uh, that's when it becomes carcinogenic, when you're actually heating the plant to a point where it burns. Mm-hmm. Whereas vaporizing, it doesn't burn, it just, what's called decomboxylates it. So it heats it up to a particular Jeez. degree. Mate, there's, there's, I'm telling you, I'm going to finish this show and I'm going to buy the world's biggest thesaurus. Yeah, And yeah. I'm going to spend tonight figuring out Half of these words. Yeah, well, okay. So decomboxylation is the process of heating cannabis up. Yes. Above a particular degree. That's what I thought. Yeah. So do you want me to go scientific or you want to keep it basic? Nah, you got to keep it somewhat basic for me. Yeah. I'm hanging in here. I'm hanging in here. I'm I'm doing my best. Yeah, just just give me a kick if you uh, want me to, you know. nudge below the table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nudge below the table. But but, because it just, the reason why I like going technical is because it demonstrates the complexities of this plant which is you know i thought in 2015 when i saw that colorado and california were legalizing cannabis i Mm. just thought it was hilarious really i believed the americans geniuses have figured out how to get high without kind of getting arrested (laughs) yeah yeah but then as you start to learn how cannabis works it's it's a it's a it's pretty much a pandora's box Mm -hmm. there's so much we don't know about this plant Mm -hmm. so so what i was going to say is the reason you heat cannabis up is because cannabis if you just ate a raw cannabis flower it w- you wouldn't get high yeah because the cannabis molecules are in their acid form and in order to turn them into their actual base form um i'm not sure if base form is the right word but mm-hmm. it, to, to take thc and make it um psychoactive you have yeah. to heat it up yeah and that's the process of called decarboxylation so mm-hmm. that's what a vaporizer does it heats it to a particular degree where it doesn't burn the plant mm-hmm but it heats it just enough to turn it from an acid into its active form. Mm-hmm. And therefore you have the psychoactive effects. Same with CBD, which is not a psych. It's, it, it is psychoactive. It's non psychotropic. Yes. Um, but it starts off as an acid and then it converts into a molecule that can then have a psychoactive effect. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the other plethora of effects that it will have as well. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. So, all right. No. Now. Now. Uh, moving away from the science because my brain's just yeah, cool. fully, fully scrambled. So when <coughs> we're talking about um, medicinal marijuana, like what are the best use cases that you see out there? Because you hear about it for for pain. Um, what other ailments is is mm. right at the top of the list for people that want to you know use medicinal marijuana? Some of the strongest research is in epilepsy. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so it's an anticonvulsant. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an anti-inflammatory. Then this is specifically CBD. 
Um, and there is, that's probably where the basis of cannabis began is with CBD. There's a, a girl in America named Charlotte Figgy. She's a young woman. I think she was about three years old at the time and she suffered from a rare form of epilepsy um, that was not being treated by the conventional medicines. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how Charlotte got onto cannabis, but she did. She got her away um, through, through a group that uh, provided her CBD and the effects were astounding. She completely was able to counteract the, the seizures. This um, is a three-year-old girl. This is a three-year-old girl. Okay. And, cool. But this is CBD, no THC. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No THC. Yeah. So, so that led to an incredible plethora of research being developed around the world. Even in Australia, a part of the kind of developmental story of how Australia got to where it is today was with a woman or a young girl named uh, Caitlin Lambert, who as well at a very similar age suffered from the same form of epilepsy. Her parents found that story from America. They gave her CBD and her hospital attend uh, her hospital um, attendance rates decreased by more than 90%. Mm. She went from having thousands of seizures a week to having like three. Yeah. One of my um, favorite podcasts, his name's Brendan Shaw mm. and um, he's host of three podcasts actually. Wow. Um, that's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. He's one of the biggest podcasts in the world. He's fighter and the kid is his oldest one and he's got beyond below the belt, which is a MMA podcast. And mm. then he's got King and the Sting, which is him and Theo Vaughn, one of my, um, other favorite comedians. He's really good. Um, anyway, he's got a young son and he has epilepsy. And he now is an um, investor in something Spectrum. Yeah, yeah. So that's Canopy. Yep. yep. Yeah, and they own a company called Spectrum. Spectrum. Pure, pure Spectrum. Pure spe oh, yeah, okay. Pure Spectrum. Different company. Yep. Yeah, Pure yep. Spectrum CBD. Yep. He's now an investor, I believe, and he uh, promotes it on the podcast and so forth. And I've heard him talk about on dozens of occasions across all of his shows, so listen to lots of his staff about how it totally obliterate. Uh, it totally, um, it totally. His son ceased to have any sort of epileptic ep epileptic seizures. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's incredible. It's, yeah. yeah. So what else? What else? So so chronic pain is quite notable. Mm -hmm. um, although the evidence for chronic pain is relatively moderate, the amount of anecdotal evidence that is available just basically puts it in the arena for this is a, a yes. Yeah. Um, it. It, it does um, uh, uh, change the way that pain is modulated in the body. Um, so that's mainly due to THC, which is an anxiolytic. Mm -hmm. And it also affects Parkinson's disease, yep. um, multiple sclerosis. Some people claim that it can cure cancer, which I don't believe, but there is um, evidence that it can kill cancer cells but more research needs to go into that field of inquiry mm. uh, because cancer, there are many mutations. So you can't say it kills cancer. It, you can say it kills particular types of cancer. Um, so, so let me ask you this just quickly. So on the regulation stuff, and let's talk about like the United States and, and Colorado and so forth. So mm. with my question of like, what's the best use case? Like mm. what was the grounds on it being legalized or being um, first, it was first medicinal and then now legalized. Like, on what grounds? Like what is the main driving factor for it? Oh, well, first off, America, it's not legal. It's illegal. It's 33 states have created a, a program. 11 states have a recreational program and the rest have medical. Mm -hmm. However, it's a federal offense. The yes. federal government hasn't legalized cannabis. <laughs> yeah, so federally, it's illegal and Correct. locally, it's... Yeah, it's fine. locally, it's, it's okay. So the, okay. there's a number yeah, of so. factors, human stories mm -hmm. um, and, and, and political um, um, pressure. Mm -hmm. A lot of it's tax revenue. Yeah. You know, Colorado hit a billion dollars this year in tax revenue. 
So, okay, cool. So it's more of a cultural thing. Yeah, that's, Would you say that's fair? Yeah, like in definitely. Colorado, for example, because people like smoking weed yep. and we should be able to have a fair bit of autonomy in what we do with our lives. Like if you're not hurting anyone, rules are in place, laws are in place for if you break the rules in life. I agree. And we get pissed and we break the rules. We get stoned, we break the rules. We also break those same rules sober. So the rules are set. I don't think it, you know, that's my, my opinion. Mm. I, I don't think you should be, um, it should be illegal to, you know, mm. get high and, and to a certain degree. It should be illegal when you break the law, you yeah. know, high yeah. or not. Yeah. You know what I mean? Especially with the contradictory use of alcohol. Yeah. But, um, but um, so it's really just a cultural push that made it legalized in states like Colorado. Correct. It was cool. a large part of, of it. Uh, same in Australia. A lot yeah. of it came from political pressure from social movements. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. The, this, is a, this is a medicine of the people. Yeah. And a lot of this has come from the people. And I'm all for the... Mate, I'm a big advocate for drug reform in general. I, I mean, if, I, I think drugs should be just decriminalized like they've Me done too. in Portugal. Me too. And the results from Portugal from 2001 are astounding. Uh, there's been a lot of benefit for that um, decision. So I think drug reform is just drug, drug, the war on drugs, ridiculous. Yeah, we're never going to win it. <laughs> there's we're nothing gonna, to win. Yeah, well, well think, nothing about to win. It, think about it though. Like, I mean, I've been off my head on all kinds of drugs back when I was younger and whatever, party days and, and so on and so forth. There's not one example when I ever couldn't buy drugs. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, uh, there's always going to be drug dealers and we're always going to buy drugs from them. Why wouldn't they be safer? Why wouldn't the money go into, you know, infrastructure and the government's coffers? I mean, it's better than it going into the hands of the people that have it now. Yeah, agreed. Um, but you, you must know. Like, talk to me about the Colorado. And from what I remember, I remember hearing crazy stats that, and, and mainly stats around, like, drunk driving and assaults mm. and battery and, and, and all these everything was trending in the right direction you know yeah, what, yeah. What, whatever those markers were so but you would know much more than me so like talk to us about you know some of the stats and, and so forth from Portugal from yeah, you know yeah. Colorado other states in the US well my favourite stat to talk about is the in the states where cannabis was legalised for medical use opioid and prescription drug um, were de declined. The prescription rate of these opioids declined. Yep. And this is incredibly important because in 2017, 47,000 people died from opiate overdoses. And that's, that is a major stat. So mm. I think that there's a lot to learn from these countries where they've introduced these regulations and these laws. Um, that, that's my favorite stat. From Portugal... Can you say that stat again? Just so so 47,000 people in 2017 yep. died from opioid overdoses. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 88,000 people from alcohol Mm -hmm. induced um death mm -hmm. cannabis zero yeah throughout history zero and what about so what about the amount of was there a drop in alcohol and opioid related deaths once there was legal marijuana that i can't comment on gotcha. i i, okay, I cool. don't know the stats i'm on putting that. words in your mouth i yeah, just wasn't yeah, yeah. sure if there was a yeah but it's, the, it's the prescription rate it's the prescription of opioids they're starting to decline people are yes. migrating from opioids and using cannabis so Unreal. you know you know put one and one so together good. you get two yeah. so less people using opioids less overdoses from opioids mm -hmm. so i think that's an and, and also hospital related um opioid incidents decreased as well mm -hmm. um and there isn't any solid evidence that um, um, um drug uh driving accidents increased once cannabis was legal legalized as well so in portugal i think it's interesting with decriminalization because the interesting facts were drug-related crimes decreased, adolescent um, use of drugs didn't decrease, 
um, and drug-related deaths decreased. So, I mean, these are all positive trends that you would yeah. expect to see or maybe not expect to see, but would be surprised to see. Yeah, happy to see. Yeah, it's great. I really feel that we're at a point in time now, there's a revolution occurring with the way that, you know, the war on drugs is, is, has, has had such negative effects. And a great example is, let's look at the 19, pre-1930s where alcohol was illegal. Mm -hmm. That's the era of Al Capone, yep. the, the gangster. Era, yep. Yeah. People were getting killed over alcohol. Yeah. Think about that today. Think about people. You're never going to see a turf war over alcohol today because <laughs> it's completely regulated. Yeah. So once drugs are completely regulated and you can buy them through illegal means, eventually these, these drug wars will end. And that's the, the human casualties. It's just, mm. it's, it's preposterous. Mm. Alcohol is funny though, isn't it? It's so, so, so incredibly bad for us. Oh my God. And statistically, like, it's one of the worst things we can do to our body. But it's not, a, it's not even spoken of as a drug. It's just, you know, let's go have a beer or let's go get pissed. Or it's called alcohol. It's, there's drugs and alcohol, not drugs and alcohol being mm. one, of, one of those many drugs. You know That's what I mean? Great point. We're so, uh, it's just funny. Like, I think we're so, um, we're so hypocritical as a, as a culture and a society, you know? And, and I think that, the drug conversation is the one of the you know shining lights on how hypocritical we are because if marijuana is to remain illegal, mm. then how on earth is it okay to go and get drunk and drive your car into a you know mm. it's not, on the weekend? It's not going to remain illegal. It's yeah. going to change. I mean, even two weeks ago, the ACT created regulations for adult use cannabis. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's, it's all changing. But yeah. I agree, it's completely hypocritical. Mm. As I said before, eighty-eight thousand deaths a year for alcohol. And I guarantee you, you're never going to see someone get a king punch when they've smoked weed. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's freaking impossible. Yeah, or, or taking mushrooms. Yeah, it's just, just, just going to get a just, big, massive hug. That's <laughs> sinking right there. It's yeah. just look, look. We, we have to. Yeah. Put, there's just too many hugs in the street, and people are too many people are ordering yeah. Domino pizzas. Yeah, that's right. People have lost their private, spa their, their personal space. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Much, there's too much warm and fuzzies going on. Yeah, it's, there's, a, there's a comedian that I really deeply appreciate. His name's Bill Hicks and one of my favorite. Yeah, I love Bill Hicks. Yeah, you never hear a positive LSD story. Like a, today, a young man on acid realized that all matter is merely energy condensed <laughs> to a slow vibration. I mean, and you just, you, the positive stories, this is where I think media is perpetuated on fear as opposed to positive like yeah, kind of sure. momentum. It's 80-20 it's the wrong way around. Yeah, it's full on. It's terrible. The world would be totally different if the, if the, if the news was 80% positive and 20% negative. I genuinely believe that. Get everyone to smoke weed and take mushrooms. Yep. Could you imagine? Yep. Graham, this is what <laughs> yeah. Graham Hancock, a, a wonderful um, um, archaeologist, says, that if you're going to be a politician, you must, as a mandatory, do seven sessions of ayahuasca. Mm. Yeah, so. I've read Graham Hancock. Um, I like Graham. Yeah, I like Graham. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, yeah, no, it's... So talk to me about like, um, what's the biggest pushback for all this stuff? So there's this big tidal wave of, of you know, positive groundswell for... Marijuana for psilocybin for you know MDMA, which isn't really you know a natural substance, but but for for the right use for PTSD and so on and so forth. So there's all this big swell of um of positivity, but what are the big pushbacks like? What's the what's what are we up against? Stigma, hmm. mainly stigma yeah. around. I mean, the propaganda campaigns were pretty significant, and for more than eighty years, this has been a demonized substance. Yeah, these substances plural have been demonized. So you're fighting stigma. Mm -hmm. So that's the biggest barrier uh, and yeah. that's not just and that, that that's a cultural barrier yeah. that's the greatest challenge is is when when you said marijuana before i'm trying to like reform the word and try and bring it back to cannabis because yeah. marijuana has such negative connotations to it 
Um, so trying to call things cannabis, even magic mushrooms, call it psilocybin. Yeah, psilocybin that's right. it's, it's just reframing the language profile yeah. and, and then presenting valid evidence, um, uh, which is still a challenge because you know my grandmother, bless her soul, for example, she, she suffers from a particular illness. And I've shown her that there's evidence that supports cannabis to, to treat that illness. And she just, there's nothing of it. No, yeah, I'm not going to no, look at sure. this. Even people our age, you know, I've, um, I, I've, and rightly or wrongly, I've talked about the benefits of psilocybin and studies and so forth. And I'm no shaman and I'm not a healer or anything, but I've done certain things in the past that really helps my friends. And, and I've just, with really low, low levels of stress and so forth, gone into, you know, certain experiences, but most people that I would bring that up with, and I'm not a woo 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 kind of guy. Mm. I'm not a you know real left you know sipping mushroom coffees all day every day. That's not me, you know. Mm. But I still, uh, but even you know people really push back on the whole idea, and that's even some of you know people our age and so forth. So your grandma, you know, I, I can totally imagine. But yeah, the reason why I kind of like when you mentioned Graham Hancock, I feel like I love Graham Hancock. I think he's great. But, and he's driving a lot of good things forward, but we just need, we need more people that are widely respected in the scientific community to drive things forward. So, Agreed. so Graham, although he's done a lot of really great things and a lot of his, you know, a lot of his things that he was bringing up in the 1990s are now, you know, coming, coming through and, and showing to be true. Mm. But have you ever read his book, Supernatural? I have not. Don't read it. <laughs> Don't read right. it. It's yeah, just, it's yeah. like, I love Graham. And I, I was reading the book and I was just like, Jesus Christ, man. Like, it's so out there. It, 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 yeah, it is, man. And, yeah. and that's why, like, I think, um, who was um, public enemy number one in 1970s from Richard Nixon uh, with the psilocybin? Dro- Wasn't um, drugs public enemy number one? Yeah, no, but who oh, was um, the, Timothy um, Leary. Timothy Leary. Like, yeah, Timothy yeah. Leary, for example, you know, like... Th- that a, fucked like, a lot of stuff he up. He fucked it, you know. Yeah. He went too hard and he went at it from the, from the, you know, drop acid, not bombs. That wasn't Timothy Leary, but that mm. was like his mm. movement. And we need, um, for example, like, um, have you read How to Change Your Mind by Michael Pollan? I have seen Michael Pollan live. I haven't read his book. Yeah. Excellent advocate for the course. Yeah, exactly. So... We, we need, this is why with like with Graham Hancock and, and people of that nature, you know, I just, we need more people that can drive it forward that mm. come at it from a totally non-biased opinion. Mm. And Michael mm. Pollan is a perfect example of that. Mm. He's a mid, I, I've read the book, I've seen him live as well. Mid 50s, I would say, guessing his age, but a guy who comes at it from a totally scientific background, no, you know, history of, of tripping, you know, so on and so forth. And he's like, okay, there's something here. There's studies that are, you know, being shown and I'm going to go do my own research and come up with my own theories. And even he, you know, everyone's excited, but we still need to be real about, about where we're at. So of I think, um, yeah. yeah, I think the stigma is for sure going to carry on for, for a, a, a certain time longer. But I think data, we're such an, you know, we drive things through data. Like Silicon Valley has, has shown us and the rise of the internet mm. that if something shown, you know, if the data shows that this works, then... It works. And that's, you know, with you used psilocybin as an mm. example earlier before the show, it's getting, you know, pushed through at a, at a rapid rate testing wise because it's shown to be way more, uh, what's it? Efficacious. Way, effi- yeah, yeah, yeah. Way more efficacious for um, a number of different things. So, I, so yeah, so the stigma, you reckon? Yeah, well, I, I love what you, there's so many rift points there, but yeah, sorry. science, <laughs> spirituality starts where science ends. Mm. It's really, it's a cool statement. A friend of mine told me that and props up to AL. Um, and he basically said to me, you know, science, spirituality starts where science ends because science is the tool that measures 
and allows us to kind of like see further out into the abyss. Mm. Um, and it's very challenging. I, I call it empathetic communication. There, there are a lot of advocates who bless their souls, really care about you know, the betterment of society. Yep. However, you're dealing with a construct of different humans that see the world very differently. And if you just push the hard line without the evidence or without the material that they need to change their mind, yeah. then you're going to just be fighting up against a wall. Yeah. Whereas someone like Michael Pollan's is very considerate. He says, we need more research. We can't just jump into this boat without knowing whether or not it will sink. Mm. Um, you don't want another Titanic. Mm. So, so, and it's the same thing happening in the cannabis space. I mean, just, just this week, the FDA submitted warnings to a number of companies that are making bogus claims about how CBD can cure X, Y, and yeah. Z. And that's where I feel we need to take a mature approach to research because people can get taken advantage of. Yeah, and that devalues the whole thing that everyone's trying to achieve. Yeah, you know, it, fake, it's fake, challenging. Fake results and, and, and so forth and pushing narratives that aren't really true, you know? It's like Wim Hof. You're, I'm sure you're, you're aware of Wim Hof. Yeah, he's been on your podcast. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yes. he's been on the podcast. Um, it was great. Love Wim. He's the best guy ever. Um, but it's funny, like, you know, it took so very, 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 very long for Wim to be able to show his methods and for them to be actually studied by universities and people throwing funding at him and so on and so forth. And I believe the reason is because he's a fucking space cadet. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he, he's the most lovely guy of all time, and, but he's so left of, you know, left of centre mm. that no one's going to take him seriously mm. until it got, it got to the point where, you know, there was, you know, the studies on the group that he trained to, you know, Regulate their own yeah. and salmonella yeah, studies yeah, and all yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's some real, some real stuff, but it took data and it took so long to, to push that. Whereas, say for example, Michael Pollan has this new technique of you know um, managing and controlling your autoimmune response of your body. Michael Pollan writes a book about it. Michael Pollan starts doing speeches about it. It's going to be totally different because, mm. unfortunately, with, you know people that are look you know hippie like and you know really left you know leaning. Kind of, kind of crew. I think they are fighting an uphill battle. Yeah, it's it's drinking the Kool Aid. Mm. It's when you drink too much of your own Kool Aid, it just it's you're diluting your own potency to to translate the message. Yeah, and it is. It's empathetic communication. And I, Wim is amazing. Mm. What a human. I mean, that guy is just. You talk about like forget cannabis, just breathe. Yeah, I mean yeah. that's 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 a potent message yeah, right there. Yeah, it's, it's so wild. so that's complete like sovereignty and ownership over human health. So. Mm. I, I, I think that there, uh, it's absolutely essential to have the change makers, the visionaries. It needs to be coupled with people that have that credible background that yeah. can come in and say, hey, look, let's take this, apply the scientific me method on it um, and see what we can do. Can we repeat this? Can we test this? Can we ensure that there's a consistent profile of efficacy of, of proving the point mm. so that we can then go out and say, hey, this is actually this. It's not this. It, it, it's not maybe this, that or the other. It's, it's, it's this and it's 100% this time after time again. Mm. And then look, that, that, that's challenging. I mean, it's very challenging because then you throw a placebo effect in there and everyone's confused because the placebo effect is probably one of the most potent medicines <laughs> in the <laughs> yeah. planet. Yeah. yeah. And so, the nocebo effect. Yeah, and the nocebo effect. Even, I was listening to a podcast the other day where the researcher said that even when people know that it's a placebo, it, can, it still works in certain cases. Yeah. It's just, it's crazy. It's crazy <laughs> yeah. what this, this thing is the operating system. Yeah, this thing 100%. is the power. 100%. So, so it's just understanding how to translate the vision into a way that it can be received by the masses. And it seems that the cultural norm right now is changing from a conservative, you know, research driven base to a more intuitive feeling base, but it's always good to have research. Mm. It's always good to take that approach. I feel at least. Yeah. Well, nothing's going to be fully um, adopted 
into our culture unless it's you know the data shows that it's yeah. it's going to work. You yeah, know? You're just vulnerable for for well, being taken advantage of. Well, you don't. That's, that that might not be a true statement. You know, drug there might be drug reform where it is just you know everything is legalized and and that might be you know only around the corner. Who knows? You mm. know, we, we, mm. we we really don't know. But for you, for 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 example, like what do you think in I'm sure you've done a lot of thinking about this and, and so forth, being in the field that you're in. What do you think the future of drug reform, the future of medicinal marijuana, psychedelics, like what do you think the landscape looks like in two, five, 10, 20 years? Ooh, well, well currently you've mentioned MDMA. So MAPS Group in America is doing, is conducting phase three clinical trials. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really, I mean, the golden standard of how medicine is adopted is through clinical trials. You, you take a subset of people and you put them through a number of processes to determine does a medicine work. Cannabis, psilocybin, um, um, MDMA, and other medicines are now currently going through that process. So in five to 10 years time, you're going to see that these medicines, um, which have been long touted as having these effects, will actually be proved through the scientific measure mm-hmm. having those effects. Then it's really a cascade effect because the same system that's been designed to kind of keep these things uh, uh, kind of under the rug are going to be the same systems that kind of proliferate them to the entire mass community. Mm-hmm. So in five to 10 years time, I, I imagine that these medicines will be completely adopted. There'll be new therapy modalities. There'll be new healing modalities. Personalized medicine will be available because cannabis technically should be treated like a, a personalized medicine because mm-hmm. it's a complex plant. And again, I don't want to bog you down strains, with the science. Lots of stra- different strains and so forth. Yeah, well, you've got, there's more than 700 compounds present in that plant mm-hmm. and they work differently. Mm-hmm. If you remove certain compounds, the plant will work differently. If you yep. add certain compounds, it will work differently. So there's a researcher whose name's Ethan Russo and he, made a, he proposed that there is what's called endocannabinoid endocannabinoid deficiency mm-hmm. where my deficiencies in my endocannabinoids might be different to yours which might lead to a different sickness for me and a different sickness for you so cannabis a strain might work better for me whereas cannabis b strain will work better for you yeah um, and that's personalized medicine right there so i think that cannabis itself will encourage more personalized medicine whereas psilocybin and other psychedelics are going to completely revolutionize mental health mm-hmm. and the way that because because the current therapy or the current pharmaceutical system is a symptom relief system where you take a medicine for the rest of your life to relieve a symptom you don't rip out the root cause yeah that's right psychedelics no room for that let's rip it all out and therefore we won't need the psychedelics after and that's 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 human health that's what i hope it will become it's what i trust it will become yeah yeah that is a tough one though isn't it that's um that's if that is the case in a lot of different you know say there's 20 different ailments that we can fix through you know use of plant medicines and so forth and it's a one two or three use <laughs> solution mm. you know that cripples a multi-billion dollar industry so and let's not be super super um you know tinfoil hat and so <laughs> forth about it but but i mean that's just basic economics there's going to be a lot of pushback and mm. there already is this is why this is why half the reason why this stuff is you know is still getting held back and so forth is mm. because you know the big the big farmer don't want to um don't want to push it through so that's a whole nother um problem in itself mm. Mm. but um i mean yeah from your time you've done a lot of travel i presume you yeah a travel company I've been to 45 countries there so, so when you've traveled different countries what's the what's the current kind of consensus on drug reform itself and, and cannabis and other medicines do you find that there are cultures around the world and people around the world that are seeing the same light as we are or is it is there anywhere particular that you've been that have pushed back more than others i mean what's no, your but this isn't my field you know yeah this isn't my field when, when i'm traveling and this isn't the first thing that i'm bringing up over mm. a dinner table or you know a couple of beers or meeting someone in a, in a in a in a hotel or a hostel or whatever this is not this is not something that i talk about regularly this is something i'm interested in i've read books about and i've watched 
multiple, you know, this, that, and the other, and you know, talk to people like yourself. Something that I'm very interested, but it's not something that I've spoken widely to, you know, people about, particularly on my travels. You know, mm. um, I've travelled a lot where I'm running a tour for people, you know, and I've travelled a lot as a young backpacker, young to like, you know, 26, 27, but still, this stuff hasn't really been top of mind. So, um, yeah, it's probably it's probably not a good answer for for you there with that one. Would it be due to the stigma profile or just a lack of interest? Me, yeah. With this conversation, um, no, just uh, just to, just due to neither of those. Mm. Not due to lack of interest and not due to stigma. Due to the fact that there's a lot of stuff to talk about in the world. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, yeah, like I've had 200 shows on this podcast, and there's 50 different topics that I'm absolutely fascinated by. That could be the first thing I want to talk to someone about mm. at any drop of the hat, any conversation. You know what I mean? I'm not in your shoes. You know, your shoes, you're, you've been in this field for a long time, you know, uh, it's probably one of the first things you bring up because you've got very valuable stuff to talk about and, you know, you want to hear, <coughs> hear other people's opinion and mm. so on and so forth. But that, that's not been me really. So, um, yeah, I can't probably, can't really comment there, um, I guess. But, but I do think it is very, um, very exciting stuff. I think um, I'm, I lean towards, you know, psilocybin. I'm, I'm not, I've never really... Well, I, I've smoked weed when I was younger, uh, but I've never smoked it medicinally. I've never played around the last few years, but I'm very, very big on yeah, psychedelics and, and what they can do for us as a society. I'm, I have a big problem with you know, you know, the, the rise of well, the mental health epidemic that we're really in. You know, There's a lot of unhappy people out there. Mm. And yeah, psilocybin in particular is just, it I think will be a godsend. You yeah, know? I agree. It, 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 really, it really will. And I I probably shouldn't say this on the podcast, but I had a friend who knew that I'd been playing around with um, with magic mushrooms, mm. and um, I'd, so basically I'd been microdosing for um, like once every four or five days for a decent stretch of time, um, and it basically the first time I took mushrooms was um, my mate Tommy Sira gave me some 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 um, yeah some mushrooms, and, and we we're going to do them together. He was going to kind of spot me. We've known each other for absolutely ever. He knows me like back of his hand and he actually was busy that night the night that we'd planned he's like oh I've had something come up I'm like man I want to take him tonight he goes you'll be right I trust you don't worry about it just get yourself comfortable blah 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 and I I did and whatever but but one of the questions I asked him I said how will I feel afterwards because I'm used to party drugs you know like Mm, coming down mm. or hangovers you know whatever and I I said how will I feel afterwards he goes bro because I was stressing out he goes bro you're going to feel like your brain's had a massage. <laughs> but dead set. So, so I, I was playing around with um, microdosing. I did a lot of research, spoke to a lot of people, so on and so forth. And then I'd have the macro dose as well from time to time. And, and, and that was cool. And I'd been talking to a few friends about it. One of my friends had been, um, she was suicidal and had been for four or five months. Um, otherwise, a really happy girl. Um, but due to a bunch of stuff that had happened in her life and, and all these changes and some business stuff and her, her mum being sick, she had become suicidal and like constant thoughts of like wanting to kill herself day to day. And she asked me, she told me um, really like in confidence because she hadn't really let anyone know, but for some reason she felt comfortable to tell me. And then I would talk to her and just, you know, see how she was doing. And then she brought up, you know, mushrooms and maybe do you think it might work for me? I know that, you know, all these studies are coming out, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you know what? 
I'm not a shaman and I don't ever want to profess to be that. Mm. I'm not a healer. I'm not a this. I'm not a that. I said, if you want to buy a bunch of magic mushrooms and me and you go out to the Dandenongs and we'll get like a place out there and we can just trip balls for a night and, you know, just as mates would, would do taking mushrooms, I'm happy to do that with you if you want, if you want to do that. Mm. Um, you know, no sitting there and, and, and chanting and, you know, blowing smoke <laughs> in each other. No woo-woo. No, no woo-woo. We, yeah. we literally took two grams of mushrooms each Played fucking Scrabble for four hours, the funniest <laughs> game of Scrabble you've ever seen in your, in your life, and had just a, just had a had a great night. And then I asked her how she was feeling. Two days later, she said, "Yeah, I feel really good." Asked her a week later, she said, "I feel fucking amazing." And then she thanked me two months later or three months later mm. for saving her life. Yeah, amazing. She called me up and thanked me for saving mm. her life. And that's anecdotal, right? That's that's. There's no stats to show. There's no data. This is not a controlled experiment. Whatever. But that's my experience. I've had good personal experience with mm. using it myself. Mm. That's the only time I've ever, you know, done anything like that with a friend. And three months later, she she genuinely said, oh, "You saved my life." Like it's fucking crazy. So I can't wait for the world to change. I can't wait for the future. I think there's definitely a lot of hurdles that we have to, you know, jump and hoops we have to jump through. Mm. But there's a big, there's a there's a we got a lot of momentum. Yeah, we got a lot of momentum. And first of all, thank you for sharing that. That's mm. a deep and beautiful story. And there's, yeah, a, there's cool. a lot of anecdotal reports where the, the psilocybin has a three to six month um, kind of afterglow fe- effect. Yeah. yeah. So that makes complete sense. Yeah. Complete sense. And yeah, we do. We've got a lot of momentum. The train's left the station. Mm. The, the, the number of cannabis companies that are existent, in existence, the number of psilocybin companies that are starting. I told you before the podcast that there's a group in the States that just developed a bacteria that poops out psilocybin. <laughs> I still don't know what that. Yeah, they they basically they 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 they, their excrement is psilocybin. It's they they engineered the bacteria to poop out psilocybin. I mean, it's the train has left the station. There's no turning back now. There is no way that this is going to be locked down again. There's just it's impossible. Yeah, there's too much good data. Yeah, thanks internet as well. Yeah, I mean, there's a proliferation of knowledge sharing. It's it's like the brain. The network is just interconnected, and Mm -hmm. these pathways are now forming, and new information is rising. So people in Mel. They've got more knowledge and they can make more informed decisions. Mm. Our generation is a generation based on knowledge and informed data, whereas previous generations is just, here's the gospel. Thank yeah. you. See you later. Oh, yeah. Hundreds of years ago, it was illegal to reprint the Bible. <laughs> was it you really? Know? Yeah, yeah. Hilarious. It, it, was, it was illegal to, um, you know, only your local priest could tell you the word of the Lord. You Makes know, sense. Controlling yeah. the That's the authority, of course. Controlling the, the you know, the, the information really. Um, so yeah, we are in, in in a full in a fully new age. It's bloody exciting. So, well, I mean, and where do you want to be in in in, in you know you know? Oh, shit, could I have started more in that sentence? Sorry, let me rephrase that. All right, all right, all right. Where do you want to be in the next? You know, two, three, five. What, what's next for you, Adam? Uh, breathing is an important one. I want to keep oh, breathing. Yeah, yeah. Cool. yeah that's, <laughs> that's above above ground. Put that one up up there. Yeah. Where would I like I'll to wish be? You best, best for that. Thank you. I, <laughs> as do I you. Uh, where do I want to be? I want to be deeper in research. Mm-hmm. I want to I want to be involved in more studies and, and understanding the complexities of how cannabis and other psychedelics work. I really care about these spaces. So. My intention is to continue building relationships with researchers and industry and formulating those those relationships to um, propel each other forward because mm. research needs funding mm. and and funding needs a good place to put the money. So trying to form those those connections. And you asked before what I did. So so I also started a an initiative called the Medical Cannabis Council a few years ago, which is now the largest industry association in the country. Cool for cannabis, and it's 
it's about bridging connections. So mm-hmm. I want to be, I just want to continue what I'm doing today, making connections and having cool conversations like this to deepen knowledge bases. That's really it. Mm-hmm. I mean, even what we've shared, I've learned, I need to simplify the endocannabinoid system. Yeah, yeah. I think you do. I genuinely, I genuinely do think you do. Like, because the more people that can understand your message, mm. I understand your message. I really do. I've understood everything you've said, but there is the deeper part of the, the science that does go over your head and it's like, oh yeah, mm. you know what I mean? Mm. So yeah, but I, and I think most of the listeners, probably all the listeners will understand the message as well. But yeah, I think simple is better. You know, simple is always better. You yeah. know, you write marketing copy, you write it to a seven grade yeah, student yeah. you know you don't ever want to make it too 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 hard for everybody to, to understand you know mm. um and same with i guess any sort of storytelling you're trying to get people around that's my theory anyway mm. um you remind me of a uh, guy named thomas king have you ever heard of thomas king he's a victorian bloke yeah he's um so not really in the way you get about just in what you're doing mm-hmm. so i had him on the podcast about or oh, would have been about 18 months ago and he's one of the more impressive dudes i've met so he he looks about 28 He's, he was at the time he was 21. I had it was it's unfathomable this dude. It was 21, specific, specifically with what he was doing. So he is the CEO of a company called and founder of a company called Food Frontier, the Food Frontier or Food Frontier. Mm. And basically, I saw him um, speaking at an event like a mini TEDx. It was um, not really mini. It's about the size of a TEDx, but just mm. a local one. It's called mm. um, Real Big Things. Friend of mine's brother runs it, and anyway, he talked about the clean meat revolution that's on its way. Mm. So, and we talk, we talk about like Beyond Meat burgers and stuff that are in grilled now, and you can get Beyond Meat, you know, hot dogs at um, other places around Melbourne have or whatever. You tr- have you tried them? Yeah, I had one last night. How are they? They're unfathomably good. <laughs> you can't tell that they're plant-based. Really? They look, smell, taste, texture, texture, everything like real meat. Wow, I could, I'll, I'd like to try that. Fucking wild! It's fully, fully wild, but. So Tom King, he's, his company, so there's two things in the clean meat revolution and that's meat, uh, plant-based meat substitutes like Beyond Meat, which are, but instead of them being vegan patties, they're, they are vegan patties, but they're actually indistinguishable from real meat. Mm. Pretty much, pretty much. Like they're, they're really crazy. There's that and then there's clean meat, which is meat grown in a laboratory, soon to be in a brewery. Like, you know, in, like in vitro meat, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. right. So, and that's the real exciting, exciting, mm. exciting thing. So, but what Tom King does is, Thomas King, he and Food Frontier, he actually puts, similar to what you just said, he puts the researchers in with the scientists. Uh, sorry, he puts the researchers and the scientists in with the industry, mm. you know? And, mm. and it's, it's what needs to happen, you know? So I think it's very exciting stuff and, and um, yeah, both of you guys, it's very similar. You, you remind me of each other's plights, you know? Yeah. You're both very driven and very passionate about, Thank you. you know, getting an industry that's going to be reformed in an amazing way and, um, and trying to facilitate it and, and, and make it happen, so. Thank you. Um, and props up to Tom. That's a very important space. Sick, man. It's so exciting. Yeah. It's a, we live in one of the most amazing times. Mm. I'm just, it's what a blessing to be here today uh, to see this all unfold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seriously cool stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. All right, um, Adam, before we wrap it up, where can people find you? Um, anything you want to plug? Yeah, time? yeah. Uh, if anyone's interested to learn more about um, cannabis and the global landscape, how it's developing, I do a weekly newsletter that I put together myself. I spend hours putting this thing together every week. It's um, If you go to buddingtech.com, B-U-D-D-I-N-G-T-E-C-H, 
thecoachcoach.com and subscribe to the mailing list. Um, I'll add you and every Sunday you'll get uh, a bit of information from me about what's going on in the space and my, my insights and, and what I think is going to continue happening. Um, um, Insight Adam uh, is my Twitter handle and LinkedIn, Adam Isaac Miller. If you want to hit me up and have a chat, uh, I'm open to discussion. Cool. Yeah. No worries. Well, Adam, thanks for coming on the show, mate. It's been great. Yeah, absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. And uh, that's a wrap. Alrighty, guys. If you enjoyed that show, please support us. Uh, There's many ways you can support the show. You can support the show by telling a friend. You can support the show by commenting on our social media, tagging a mate. You can support the show by subscribing. So all good platforms for podcasts we're we're, uh, available on so uh, um, Spotify, Stitcher Google Google Podcasts Apple Podcasts um, and also you can subscribe via YouTube at Bill Kerr TV also don't forget to check out trueprotein.com today use the code bro for 10% off check out au.yeti.com forward slash bro to check out the best coolers in the business And then check out athena.co, A-T-H-Y-N-A, and use the code BRO when you inquire um, to chat about a live demo for for building your team. And use the code BRO and you'll get 20 hours free of uh, virtual assistant services with us. This has been Philosophy Through the Eyes of an Idiot, and see you next week.